Thank you for joining me, Susie Bruff, for the next episode in our Premier Fitness Podcast, in which I'll be speaking to the one and only Matt Gleed. And for those of you who know Matt, you will know that he works tirelessly providing insightful knowledge, information into our sector. And for those who don't know Matt, I strongly recommend that you follow him. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be speaking about how new personal trends can increase the earning potential through the wellness space. So, Matt, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Susie. Lovely to uh, you know share some share some thoughts with you and uh, anyone else who wants to listen along today. Oh no, definitely. I know that we've been trying to arrange this for a while, but you're such a uh, busy man with all your social media stuff that you do. So I'm really delighted that you've been able to uh, spend some time with, with me today. Thank you. Um, so I know you've got quite a lot to um, say with regards to this, but can we just start off with something really simple? Um, because it is quite a, you know, a, most people have got a, a different version of what this is, but can you tell me um, about the wellness industry and, and what does that mean from your perspective? Well, the wellness industry can mainly be divided up into sort of almost different parts. Um, obviously, there is health, there is fitness, and wellness is a contributing. And, and often, you know, different parts of different industries can fit together. So wellness itself is the act of practicing healthy habits, really. Um, it's about trying to make sure that you're, on a daily basis, attaining better physical or mental health. And, and together, those sort of physical and mental concepts will bring a better wellness really. So I, I would you know, put wellness as an umbrella term of which health, fitness, whether that be physical or mental, all sit within. Okay, cool. And do you think that, you know, how, how big do you think the whole wellness piece is going to be? And do you think this is where PT should be focusing right now? I mean, straight, we're going straight out of the guns on this one. So absolutely, <laughs> this is, I mean, the wellness industry in, in terms of financial figures, you're talking about a 1.1 trillion industry within the next couple of years. I mean, it is already a multi-billion. So when you start thinking about the fitness industry being a part of the wellness, and then you start thinking about mental health, and you start thinking about all the different types of things. And I mean, if I set up the scene a little bit here, where there is actually kind of eight dimensions of wellness, and those eight dimensions, I'll just list them off here. So you've got emotional, therefore mental. Uh, there is environmental, financial, intellectual, occupational, physical, social, and spiritual for those kind of people who want to take on that tone. Um, and the idea behind these kind of eight dimensions is that all of them link together. However, any one of them can cause a lack of wellness. So even if you take things like the financial side, somebody who is financially suffering is probably not coping through other factors of emotional or environmental. And those of them who are struggling with occupational, they would potentially struggle with social or potentially spiritual as well. So you can see how wellness is such a big term, but also which is why it really hits those big numbers when you start to look at it as a, an economy as such. So yeah, $1.1 trillion um, is literally how it's being valued in the next sort of couple of years. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's because, um, you know, people have begun to, or corporates uh, in, in, in general have, have sort of begun to realise that um, without kind of looking at this whole piece, um, then potentially could have an impact on not only on people's everyday lives, but potentially on corporate performance. Um, because if somebody isn't isn't happy, then generally generally speaking, you know, things can begin to deteriorate. What do, what are your kind of thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, 
the people who are struggling with work, and, and you have to bear in mind that, that there's going to be several people who, so there's the students or the people associated with Premier Global and NASM, you know, we're often in a world of um, some sort of security. We are interested in learning. Um, we're in positions of either learning or financially interested in, in purchasing uh, packages or, or learning structures. And within that, there's actually a lot of support that needs to be done because that lead of education will lead you to potentially a better financial future as well because the idea behind studying anything is to in theory enrich you in any way that you would like to develop so whether that is through qualifying as a personal trainer to work within fitness if it is working with in sports so that you could start to you know take on a different realm within that sporting world i mean you know all of these aspects come together and this is why it's such a valuable market. I would honestly say it's it's the, the reason why it's so big. And, and when we start to look at it, this this kind of the headline of it being a one point one trillion dollar industry, this in essence is actually being driven by the Asia and the North American markets. And around about 40% of the growth in the next couple of years is going to come from those two areas. So the UK will always follow those trends just purely because people in Asia have for years been focused on financial enrichment, social enrichment. And in America, they obviously work within a huge economy. The UK will always follow those trends. So specifically, there is a huge amount of growth, which will happen, say, 40% in those two continents. But the UK will and Europe will fast follow them as well. Um, and it's around about I'd say it's probably around about a 12% growth each year in the UK alone. So it, it will be the biggest uh, sector of growth. Um, and um, I guess to put in some context, 12% growth is probably the biggest growth an economy could ever hope for. Um, a technology, so things like apps or internet, and, and if you think about how many people are doing Zoom calls or Teams and you know all these different platforms now, Technology will have around about an 8.6% annual growth. So if we're talking about wellness having a 12%, people are so much more mindful about how they feel. And especially after a pandemic, the governments and the world, and you know, when we stop talking about the WHO, uh, I'm sure people are familiar with the World Health Organization, they're known yep. as the WHO. And these people are putting together ways that countries should be performing and thinking about the wellness of people trying to make sure that people are not sick because that costs employers a huge amount of money trying to as part of that if we don't want people off sick sometimes it, it could be an injury it could be a bad back but often it's mental health so people who have gone through a pandemic they need support and mental health is part of this wellness setup really uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've really kind of made sense of what the wellness piece is going to look like. And for any of our graduates that are listening or indeed for anybody else that's kind of new, new to the industry, when we're thinking about the eight dimensions of wellness there, so physical was one of them. So I guess if I was a graduate, I'm thinking, OK, I understand that me being a PT, the physical stuff. But actually, when I'm thinking about this, you know, the physical stuff, it does kind of interlink with the emotional and the mental well-being um, and then that can also mean that, you know, you're happy about work. So there's there's a real kind of interlink there, isn't there? Yes, huge. And, and especially when we started looking at, um, let's say, for example, the classic personal training client is somebody who potentially could be an office worker. Well, that office worker is working nine to five, sat at a desk. When they finish sitting at the desk, they want to get home. They want to move, in which case, then these new personal trainers who are getting qualified, 
their environment needs to be in a way of getting people to be active. That will help their mental, it will help their physical, it will help their social. And in terms of the environment that they're in, it doesn't matter too much about the environment as long as they're being active. It, it could be a, you know, a desk-based workout. It could be something that is on a bike where they're still sat down or people who want to go out for a run. It could be going into a gym and lifting weights. So whatever that environment is, and like I say, the, the wellness thing links together so well, intellectual as well, like for personal trainers, they love sharing information. They love telling people about the muscles and the way that things work. Well, the nice thing about that is as a personal trainer, you've just learned all this knowledge. People will really respect you if you can share knowledge at the appropriate speed and time as well. Yeah. And also that helps to build trust, doesn't it, at the end of the day? Because trust is so important, isn't it? You know, um, you would definitely say, I'm sure that being a very experienced PT, you've, you've almost uh, 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 almost privileged aren't you to be able to help somebody when they're at a point of you know saying that I need you to come and help me either to lose weight or to or I want to feel better so trust is very important as well yeah and I mean I, I qualified as a first trainer was about 21 22 years ago and for the first couple of years I'll, I'll be honest I wasn't a good trainer I would have people coming up to me and saying oh I've hurt my knee today so if we could you know just do upper body I'd be like yeah of course we don't have to work your legs that's fine and then I'm thinking well hang on a minute I'm now not able to train them for the goal that they had. I'm almost avoiding different areas. So I have to educate myself further. And instead of saying, well, my knee's bad, so I can't train, I would go up to that person and say, well, that's not a problem. Let's have a look at your knee because I've learned more about the body. I've now, I can start to identify and I've got a, a network of friends who I can recommend you to to go and see from a physio or, a, you know, a, a complementary therapy in any way. But like you say, there's so many people who are, in many ways overweight now, we have to start to think about where our potential clients are going to be. And if I said to you, there are literally around about, give or take, depending on, on, on which kind of country you're in, but certainly in the UK, around about 52% of adults are overweight or obese, which is huge. That means literally one in two people are overweight, which means that they need the skills, the people who are listening to this to actually go out and often these people are looking for improving their wellness in some way and their wellness, whether that be fitness, mental, environmental, intellectual, just social, just somebody to spend some time with. This is where it's such a huge opportunity for personal trainers to not just think about them in the fitness industry, but think about them in the wellness industry. I can guarantee it's a bit like a hairdresser. So many personal trainers will just end up just talking and just having some social time with their clients. And you need that. You need to actually have that involvement of that social aspect because you can't just work solidly for an hour. No one's going to really pay you just to stand next to them while they go for a run or just count their repetitions. You have to give them support in whatever their needs are. So you need to have this mindfulness about wellness all the time, really. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you anymore, Matt. Now, so... Can I just ask you, what would you recommend then for somebody, you know, a premier global NSF graduate or somebody new into the industry, how would you recommend that they begin to be recognised as being uh, an authority within the wellness space? And how would you, or what would you recommend for an established PT um, who maybe um, is in that, space of thinking well I know what I know um and you know I'm going to stick with what I know because that's the way that I want to be and maybe it's a little bit um 
fearful of, 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 of maybe exploring. So what would you advise for somebody new into the industry and what would you advise for somebody that is, ex that is experienced but not yet really speaking about where, you know, health and wellness? So for the, a new trainer, it's got to be about the CPD. It's continuous professional development is essential. You cannot learn the basics of a level two and a level three and expect yourself to be in a profitable business. And a lot of fitness instructors, I personally believe they don't really consider themselves business people. What they do is they, they go into the fitness industry because they're passionate and they want to make a difference, but they don't really go in there with a plan as to what they're going to achieve, what they're going to learn, how they're going to develop themselves and how they're actually going to attract new customers. They almost go on this assumption that as long as they're a nice person and they know a little bit, they can just have a chat with people and people want to sign up to them to mm -hmm. take their services. And that's just half the battle. You have to go on and learn in order to open up your net in, in, in many ways to capture more people. If you think of it as any business, there's constantly marketing. Now, I'm not saying to personal trainers, go and create a load of leaflets and business cards and just hand them out because the, the return on that sort of marketing is like 2%. But actually a referral market is around about 76 to 80% more profitable which is much, much better as well, because if you can get testimonials, and especially in this world of video and podcasts and almost digital information, it's so much quicker and you have to have that presence on social media. And, you know, I mean, you very kindly referred to my social media before, but I wouldn't consider myself great on social media, but I'm constantly on there each day, even if it's just to respond to messages. You can't leave people waiting because if that person just wants to make a comment or ask a question, that potentially will be your marketing you have to look at it in a slightly different way I completely agree with you but that's you know that's what I'd say to you and what I've said to kind of other people is you know don't be fearful of the fact if maybe you're a bit nervous your lighting's not quite right or you know you haven't got your setup quite right if people are bought into you and your brand that won't matter at the end you can perfect those things what people are really after is your authority your expertise and your advice and again it comes down to that trust doesn't it yeah, I mean, it, there is this concept of uh, paralysis by analysis, the things that you you end up stopping yourself doing things because you're looking for perfection. And there's no such thing. I mean, the amount of times in this last year where I've recorded video content for different companies, and I look back at it and go, oh, it's not quite right. I want to do, redo it. And in many ways, you're the most critical person because so many other people would be like, no, that's great. We can just do that. So it really is about creating the content and, yes, review it. And if you're not liking it then make a note of what you'd like to do differently next time but you don't always have to go back unless you're saying something wrong incorrect or you yeah, know statistically cool. worrying then yeah. that would be a, a problem but you, you've got to move forward and, and actually treat it as a learning curve you're not expected as a new trainer to jump straight into like you mentioned before the experienced trainers because even experienced trainers who have been working in the industry 10 years or you know longer they're still doing continuous development, but they're still yeah. needing to learn because the industry has changed. And I mean, Susie, if, if, if I took you back to when I first started working in a gym, we were writing programs for people and saying like, well, you've got 20 minutes on the bike, 20 minutes on the treadmill, 20 minutes on the elliptical or cross trainer. Then we're going to do 40 minutes of weights, then 10 minutes of core. I remember those days, Matt. <laughs> and and these, these were health clubs. They were great. But we were expecting people to come into the gym three, four times a week for three hours a day. Well, mm. They were, they just were no budget gyms. But now when you start to look at these budget gyms or the low cost market, as we can call them, the average usage is two to three times a week, but around about 40 to 60 minutes, which means that the programs that I was writing, you know, 20 years ago, are just so inappropriate now. 
it's so much more appropriate to actually give people quick, short workouts, which they can get on with, a little bit of stretching or recovery at the end, and then move on and let them get whatever their need is, if they need to get back to work or if they need to go and get the shopping. People have a, a, a and I think from social media, I think it, it's definitely apparent, people have a shorter attention span. Uh, we're not quite as bad as goldfishes yet, but if you can't capture people's information and you know and keep seeing them regularly, they do want short, sharp bits of information as opposed to long, drawn-out programs and processes. And not many people follow a training program thoroughly. So in many ways, you almost need to design the training program, but you're probably your skill set is about adapting the training program when life throws you curveballs, when they are a little bit late to the session because they got caught in traffic because they didn't quite leave the time or when they were, you know, maybe a bit of procrastination in, in not getting work finished and they had to, you know, do a little bit more work uh, or, or just took up more time. So I think people need, you know, I mean, look at the, the trends of fitness, you know, hit training, um, you know, social media, on-demand workouts. These These things are now almost the platforms that we should be delivering to because people do want information a little bit quicker these days as well. I was going to say to you, I think it's because, you know, as consumers, we've become more demanding and because we have so much more content now online, we, we've, we've learned that actually we don't need to be necessarily training for two hours a day in a gym, you know, because allegedly, you know, through a HIIT exercise uh, program of 20 minutes, we can burn potentially just as many calories depending on what we're doing. So it's almost like a kind of meeting in the middle, isn't it? It's about trying to persuade your client to actually um, spend that time, but also um, from your perspective, it's 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 about making sure they are going to want to come back um, yeah. and actually, actually continue to exercise. And yeah, you know, we've all got such busy lives, haven't we? At the end of the day, I mean, I would love to spend two hours a day in the gym, but seriously, it's not practical at the end of the day. So it's, I think it's more about maybe meeting in the middle. Would you agree? Absolutely. You, you, so many people exercise not just because they want to improve fitness, but they might be weight loss, which means that there is actually a, a health lifestyle issue to, to work on. It's not just about lifting the weights or running on the belts of the treadmills. It's actually about looking at it a little bit more holistically. And this is the skill set that a new personal trainer needs to develop. Um, so many people are under pressure from work and you know, people come to work out in order to almost shake off the tension of work. And I, I mean, statistically, when we talk, talk about wellness, 38% of people suffer from excessive pressure from work. Now, that means if just under 40% of people are feeling pressured at work, that's, I mean, out of those percentage of people, if I was to market, come along to this boot camp workout or this boxing workout and just release tension from your day of work, I'm probably hitting a really good market of people. And it's not talking about coming along and following programs. It's just talking about something that seems attractive to people, just something that where they're going to reduce tension and just, you know, shake off a few of the cobwebs of sitting behind a desk all day and just forget about what the pressure has been on the job just to change their mental state. It's such a, a more um, respectful way of, of thinking about current people in demands rather than thinking about old curriculums and, and thinking about how we're taught. You have to think about where you could develop your business rather than just thinking about what I was told about. You, you, you have to think a little bit deeper than just, you know, the qualification you start with these days. Definitely. And I think, and I'm sure you would agree that one thing, one one positive thing that has come out of the last 12 months, I think that many more people have realised that moving, exercising is a key to improving health and well-being, is, you know, is a key to maybe improving that stress that might be feeling at work. So I think it's a massive opportunity there, isn't there, Matt? 
Yeah, there's huge. I mean, there, there is actually this concept of a, a an, an ongoing continuum, um, and you know, there's you've got to make sure that you have got some self responsibility. Um, you've got to make sure that you're taking time for you know just mindfulness and breathing. Uh, censoring. I mean, just to experience new things. If that is buying yourself some flowers at home to brighten up your room, or if that is putting on, you know, a, a CD just to kind of give yourself something which is going to. Do I say CD? People don't even listen to CDs. Music, which is going to. That's the age of that. Giving people a different headspace, even if it is going to be, you know, putting on a, a something which is going to give them a mood censoring position. Um, but eating food, moving, feeling, thinking, you know, playing around and, and just getting out and, and playing with your family, kids, you know, I mean, how many people have got to know their local neighbours over the last sort of few months? Mm -hmm. It might well be like people have moved around in different homes recently, but I mean, you know, go meet up with some neighbours and actually ask them if they want to go and, and have a picnic or go for a walk. And, you know, if they've got kids and you've got kids, you know, bring the families together because there's so much more fun in in experiencing different things together and that sort of intimacy between neighbors and things like that it's something that a modern world doesn't do well because we are tied to our computers we're tied to our phones a lot more but actually putting them down for certain periods of the day and having a, a social media break and you know maybe turning around and saying like my phone you know gets turned off at nine o'clock and you know it doesn't go back on until eight o'clock in the morning when you've actually get a good night i mean you know the blue light scenario of, of kind of coming away from the devices a lot it, it can be really helpful for a lot of people definitely definitely um i am guilty i'm, I'm afraid of uh, looking at my phone until uh, till late at night and when i don't the difference in the uh, in the sleep that i get is um incredible matt so we've discussed how you know how potentially a a new uh, recently qualified person can can think about wellness um, I just really want to get your advice to pass on to um, any experienced PTs that are out there that are a little bit um, nervous of this wellness piece and can't really see how their experience or their qualifications would fit in um, to this arena. What would you recommend that they do? Well, they're already part of the system. They just may not appreciate what their role is. So as we said earlier about the eight dimensions of wellness, there is going to be that physical side. So the chances are an experienced personal trainer has already got their clients set up, they're doing good workouts, people are saying they're great, but there is an element of, it doesn't mean that you're delivering the best that you could do. You're just maximizing where your current potential is. But as soon as you then start to actually take a step back from your business, and I, I do believe that actually this last year of pandemic has actually been a very interesting opportunity for a lot of people to take a step back from their business and actually almost look at it very objectively. They might be doing 20, 30 hours of personal training a week with a few classes, and that's a good business. But suddenly when the pandemic hit, there's suddenly the whole business almost stopped overnight. And then it was a case of, right, how can I still deliver this? Do I do it via social media? Do I do it via you know online and digital services? But if they actually start to think about how they've been delivering their business, I would almost say to a lot of personal trainers, if you're sick of doing the early morning starts and the late night finishes and working on weekends as well, you can actually start to change the style of your business. Instead of just delivering the one-to-ones, put people into groups where they can actually start to have a responsibility to each other. Could they start to develop any platforms as well? So for example, in the last lockdown year, I've developed my own app. 
So now instead of delivering one-to-one -one personal training, I can actually deliver those and send people workouts via the app, which means that, yeah, there was an investment of money to do that, but there is almost that you have to speculate to accumulate. If I was to pay some of the money that I've earned over this last year into my business, instead of me actually relying on my hourly rate to give me an income, is there a passive income? Is there a secondary income that I can get from people buying programs? And there are so many people who have trust because they love their personal trainer, but when they're hiring their personal trainer, sometimes it comes down to, I hire you for one hour a week or two hours a week, but the rest of the time they're kind of out of mind. Well, if they were then to follow a workout at home, maybe it'd be a stretching routine. Now that stretching routine that that personal trainer believes in, well, there might well be all 30 of their clients who would benefit from that. So that 10 minute recorded workout put onto an app, suddenly, if people were to pay five pounds for these secondary support videos where you train me once or twice a week, but I've got the app to, to, to follow along some extra workouts, or even if it's just a mindful meditation. I mean, you imagine the people who are listening to this now, if I was to slow everything down, give them a little bit of a meditation and guided meditation for 10 minutes, would that person benefit from listening to that for maybe 10 minutes before they started their night routine where they were getting ready for bed? So these are all things which a personal trainer doesn't necessarily think of, but maybe over the next kind of few months, they could start to implement because it supports what their business could evolve into rather than just delivering hourly sessions, starting to think about this whole wellness approach and start to deliver different concepts because there's no reason why a personal trainer couldn't write a bit of a transcript about being mindfulness, and then you could just record that and then put it onto a, a, a YouTube channel where people can have a link where they press play, or they could just you know, set themselves up an app like I have, and just start to bring those services together because it will complement what they're doing in many ways. And it gives them a, a more bulletproof business going forwards because like I said earlier, you know, 38% of people are suffering from pressure on the job. So if we can give them a 10-minute mindfulness break at lunchtime, and each month you record another 10-minute recording, then you, you know, you're really offering a great service there as well. Absolutely. And that's what I think is so exciting about digital technology and the way that things are going in this arena, because it does really mean that no longer does that PT have to be just that PT for once an hour. Um, it's really supporting, you know, technology is really kind of supporting that whole relationship to say that actually, um, you know, I can contact my PT whenever I want to, which means that you're going to have a, a better relationship, that trust is going to be there, and they're going to keep coming back to you. So that's that's really, that's uh, really very exciting. Um, Matt, I really wanted to get your thoughts on how you think wellness is going to change in the corporate arena so for corporates i know this would just be your speculation obviously you know you haven't got a, you know you don't actually know but what do you think is going to happen certainly based on um the information we see from the government with the office for health promotion um, and there's you know there's lots around exercise to increase um, immunity etc etc um how do you think corporates are going to uh, increase the wellness awareness? What do you think they'll start doing? Or will they start doing, will they start doing anything for their staff? 
Well, I guess the, the way to predict the future is to look at the current trends. So if we look at, I mean, there is data um, from places like the Global Wellness Institute and the World Health Organization. Now, in terms of wellness, um, we're talking about corporate wellness now. So workplace wellness and corporate wellness are often the same thing. It's thinking about how people in offices are going to maintain uh, work efficiency. And um, it's how labor intensive work is going to making sure that we're not putting too much demands physically on people. So that way then they have to have days off injured as such. So, I mean, around about 2017, th this was around about a, a $48 billion industry. So by 2022, um, it is predicted to grow to around about $66 billion. So it is an absolutely huge industry. And it often gets valued in dollars just purely because of it's, a, it's an economy as such. So there is a huge amount of growth being done. Now, a lot of that is because people are in front of screens um, where they are going to have um, you know, their eye levels and, and their screen time is going to actually start to deteriorate their health. They're going to get headaches. There's going to be stress. There's going to be you know, tension being developed through the repetitive nature of sitting behind an office. We were designed to move as humans, so finding a way to actually allow corporate to actually start to get people active again. So there is going to be a huge push for office-based workers to start to be more active. Now that might be, I think it was only uh, this week I heard that there was one of the, one of the kind of, I think it was a supermarket giant, one of the head offices were actually going to be getting people to finish at 12 o'clock on a Friday and they wanted them to actually know that they were going to be able to switch off on a Friday because what they were sensing is that people were dreading coming to work on a Monday because they knew that they had a load of work to be done. But actually, they were dreading that on the Friday leaving the office. But if they know that, in theory, they should be finishing at 12 o'clock on a Friday, they've got the whole Friday afternoon to wind down before they then start to enjoy their family time over the weekend. So that when they're actually spending more social time, they're not thinking about the stress because they've managed to break that, that time down a little bit more. So I think a lot of more corporate offices and, and workplace wellness, it's going to be on about working smarter, not necessarily longer and harder. Um, and that's where personal trainers and fitness professionals can come in. They can actually start to go in and run lunchtime workouts, or they could start going in and actually just offering massage services or going in and talking and do nutrition talks. There is a lot of services that don't necessarily have to involve taking people into a gym and training them for an hour. You can actually just start to go in and talk about this whole wellness and talk about how to you know, release stress at a computer by here's, some, here's your top five stretches to do if you spent all morning on your desk. Here's how to ensure that your diary doesn't get full up with meeting after meeting where you actually take 10 minutes. So when the meeting finishes, you have 10 minutes to make your notes and then go and take 10 minutes where you're going to walk. And in that walk, we want you to walk around this little circuit around the grounds of the office. And yeah, okay, it might be wet, but that's what umbrellas are for. And it's just a way of getting people to break down the monotony of being in a certain workplace situation. So it's it's that environment change in the wellness respect. Really interesting, Matt. And that go, that all goes back to, it's not just about your level two and your level three, is it? To be able to do that, you have to have a nutrition qualification. You know, you really need to know what you're talk, talking about. And that's going back to that continued professional development, isn't it? Really important, really important. Yeah, and it really is. There is so much emphasis on 
there's anybody can get information these days, but it's the accuracy of the information. So as we learn from social media, it's completely unregulated. This is where we get so much racial discrimination against people online because it's just not regulated any way. But it does mean that anybody with an opinion can share that opinion. And that's quite a dangerous aspect as well. So when we're talking about corporate and professionalism, you've got to be a professional. It is continuous professional development by learning and ongoing and practicing as well. So as a new personal trainer, you really should be going out there and actually just trying to share information. The, the art of communication is really important. It's one thing knowing what you know the stats and the information and what you should be doing, but it's another thing communicating it and then making it bite-sized enough that people can actually implement what's been communicated yeah. to them as well. Yeah, and sometimes just about practice makes pet perfect, right? Sometimes it won't be, you know, great the first time around. But like you said earlier, just, you know, do it, have a go, um, you know, see what happens. And if you want to change things going forward, then make a note and make sure that you kind of do it. But don't don't uh, beat yourself up too much if it wasn't perfect the first time around. No, it, you, you've, it's got to be a very fluid process where people are going to learn on the job like anyone does. You, you don't ever finish any qualification knowing it all ready to run. You have to spend time... Uh, being mentored by other people, uh, by developing your processes, and actually just taking in some time. And I would massively encourage people to, if they're delivering a personal training session, at the end of the session, just review what the plan was, how much of it was applicable, how much of it was done, what could you change next time? Because if you're not spending that five to 10 minutes reviewing what you're doing, all you're going to end up doing is churning out the same sessions and not actually developing them, which means that your clients will evolve to a certain level, but they will also plateau because they're not being constantly challenged. And the work that you're doing, you might feel good about because the client's being very polite and saying, oh, it's fantastic, really enjoy today's workout. But what happens next week is the same thing gets done and people become stale to doing that. So it's good for people to actually start to go and learn new skills, use different pieces of equipment, and then start to complement those in different ways. So, you know, almost take people through macro cycles. Let's do 10 weeks of strength training. Now let's do 10 weeks of conditioning training. Now we're going to do 10 weeks of functional. Now we're going to go back to strength. And that would really allow people to learn and develop. And over maybe the, the you know, six months, your client is always going to be, you know, getting new information, new workout trends. And you might find that that client might want to, you know, work out more often because they're really enjoying the, the activity that you're doing. Or that client might actually only need to come once a week because they're now in a habit of going to the gym and doing their own things. Now, that's not a negative because they're still using you. But what you've got now is an opportunity to instead of having X amount of clients, you could potentially double your clients because they only need you once a week. And then eventually you could start to put those clients into groups. And now suddenly you're. Uh, footfall as such you're speaking and you're talking you're training many many more people rather than just the hourly rate that you started with so you're expanding your business you've got a lot more customers that way that's really interesting matt i could literally talk to you for hours and hours and hours but what we'll do is we'll kind of stop it there and i'm sure we can uh, find something else to uh, have a really good chat about it's been really interesting hearing um your thoughts on the whole wellness piece and for many people it's a bit of a minefield so Thank you very much. We absolutely love uh, working with you. I know that you absolutely love our core courses. Um, and if you're speaking to any of your um, peers in your network, you always kind of recommend them to come over to us. So that's uh, really, really cool. What are you up to? Are you down to sort of tell us what you're up to over the next few months? Any of your plans? Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. So um, some of the work I'm doing is I'm still working very closely with TRX. Uh, we've written and developed some more courses. Um, we've got a virtual summit coming up. Yeah, that's coming up. Um, but you're going to push me for the date now. Beginning of June, I think June, it was. It? Yeah, second week of June, I believe it was. Um, and we've also uh, just uh, written and launched some uh, British rowing content. Um, and as I say, I've got my app, uh, which is out at the moment. So I'm selling that around to different corporate hotels, uh, developing programs for them to kind of follow and, and let their members of staff start to follow this. So that, that's launched in three hotels in Switzerland and a couple in Italy as well. So, yeah, this whole new world of being digital is it, pretty good. There's a lot more people out in the world rather than uh, trying to keep your business into your local areas these days. Well, you know, the world has suddenly become a much smaller place, hasn't it? It really, really has. Matt, how did how does anyone that doesn't know you um, get to know you and follow you? How do we find out about you? So you can contact me on social media. Um, quite often it's Matt Gleed uh, underscore master trainer uh, on different platforms. Uh, you can just email me at Gleed at me.com. Um, I've got a website, uh, which is just my name as well. So people can find me in, in different ways. Um, and if people want to ask any questions or want advice, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of the time driving around different places from gyms to gyms. So, uh, you know, a good time to catch me is always between eight and 10 in the morning and uh, four and six in the evening. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, if, if people want to, you know, drop me an email, um, we can arrange a, a call at some point and uh, talk through any trouble spots that they're having, really. That's really kind of you. And I would just like to say that, you know, I would thoroughly recommend that you are a top bloke. Um, and likewise, um, if anybody would like to know any further information about our Premier Global NASM courses, we can be found at www.premierglobal.co.uk. Matt, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, we'll do this again. Um, but for now, we'll say goodbye. Thanks so much, Susie. Thank you.